<laughs> Pot of gold. Um, you want to drink a little alcohol? Jeff, you know the answer to that. Just a small amount that will burn off by the time we're done here. Um, so it will loosen us up a little bit. Okay. You want to? I'm reluctant. <laughs> um, I have to choose from blackberry, vodka, Captain Morgan, cranberry, liqueur, or coffee liqueur. Do you have a mixer? Oh, I also have a nice gin. Uh, no, thank you on that. Do you have anything to mix or are we just... Drinking it straight. Okay, then blackberry. Oh, I think the cranberry. I, I recommend oh. the cranberry. Okay, cranberry it is. You know, I'm just going to bring both of these up here. Okay. Because we're, we're cool like that. I honestly couldn't tell you the last time you and I had alcohol together. No, we don't really do that a lot. What's your best guess? Well, we usually have one drink when we go out. Yeah, but when was the last time we did that? Uh, It's been months. <laughs> Long time. These are Adrift Distillers Columbia River Coffee Liqueur. And the other one is? Starvation Alley Farms Cranberry Liqueur, made with Pacific Northwest berries. Those are my favorite berries. Grown in Jacob Brooks' backyard. Oh. Wow, that's so good. Not a guy who drinks a lot of alcohol. Most of it tastes horrible to me. This tastes really yummy. That's another way we're probably well paired. That is good. Are we doing this for your nerves or mine? Yours. Oh. <laughs> I could really use a change of scenery. Yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery. Yeah. Close the match because they were handed down to me. But I'm still fly. I'm still fly. I know. I'm still fly. I'm still fly. Let's go. It could all be worse. I could be a hater like you. It could all be to make the man, but that poison's gonna chew you. Now say it with your chest I'm now. young, I'm free Can't nobody take me here and now It's my time to ride it out It's my time, it's my time It's my time to ride it I'm young, I'm free Can't nobody take me Okay, we rambling? We're going crypto. So we have done... <laughs> I'll save it. I'll save it. Okay, fine. I was like, okay, what don't I want to talk about? Let's let's not talk about cryptocurrency. I w well, I'm, I'm not really needing <clears throat> to tell you how I feel about a soul or consciousness. Shit, start um, that sentence over. I cleared my throat right in your sentence. <laughs> okay, so things that we probably don't need to cover um, include cryptocurrency consciousness you don't need to ask me what i think of the soul we might lightly hit it <laughs> consciousness i might on accident i'll brush up against that topic for sure also i'm going to tell you up front that i don't struggle with addiction uh, my worst vice is probably food i like it but um i wouldn't call myself an addict there either yeah you're pretty stable yeah so um 
I'm, I'm not on any. Why do you keep surrounding yourself with crazy people? <laughs> I think I'm a fixer. Uh-huh. I am. I'm, I am very empathetic. But uh, That's definitely true. I think that would probably be one of the descriptors I would use for you. Do you think that plays into your career choice? Oh, absolutely. You just like yeah. the caretaker role? Yeah. So you're a kindergarten teacher. Uh-huh. And that's this is now three years, right? No, this is my second year in kindergarten. Oh. So man, the COVID thing fucked me up. Yep. It's all mashed together and weird. I've been at Ocean Beach since 2012. I've taught fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and then jumped to kindergarten. I'm in my second year. But my first sort of full year, I've never been in person in the spring. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so how, how did you do kindergarten with COVID? I started in kindergarten, uh, normal school year in 2020. No, that's wrong. Normal school year 2019. And then it was uh, mid-March, and we just found out day of. We're going remote now. This is going to be our last day. And I taught via Zoom for three months last spring. That's probably really easy with kindergartners, right? Oh, yeah. Super easy. Um, they just sit on a computer all day long and engage with you. Yeah, I bet. That sounds horrible. <laughs> no, we did half-hour in-person Zoom meetings, which uh, really forced me to become a big character to hold their attention. And then um, lots of computer engagement, packet delivery. It was a stretch. It was hard. I bet. Okay, so I'm just, I'm, I'm a little overly in my head right now about this okay. thing, right? I'm, I'm thinking about what we're, what we're making. It feels a little formal. Um, I, I'm, I'm struggling with the, with the tone because it's, it's, too, it's too much uh, exposition. It's gonna, the because whole interview will be, will be fake getting to know each other. Right. So be like, why are you asking her these questions? Yeah. You know all the answers. Oh, I think that sometimes when I listen to interview people. Yeah. Well, that's you have to sometimes you have to. because otherwise, I mean, you got to get certain information into mm -hmm. the audio feed, and sometimes it just sounds awkward when it's just like, yeah, I know that, I know who your, who your husband or wife is, I know, like, I know your job, right. all that stuff. But those are the questions you got to ask for the interview show. It's still, yeah, fuck, I, you know, I tell everybody when I'm setting them up, it is still about just whatever comes up, whatever we talk about, but it's it's mostly about you. But yeah. if we're gonna talk moms, let's talk moms, not teachers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Even though, like, who hasn't called their teacher mom? Oh, I just had a little one in tears last week. You called me mama, and I laughed, and he was embarrassed. Uh-huh. And then he cried, <laughs> and I had to tell him, do you know how many of these kids have called me mom? This one calls me mom every day. And he kind of got to laughing, really? Oh, my gosh, yes. Why is that so embarrassing? I remember doing that a lot. It, it's got to be because it's like you're suddenly vulnerable. Uh -huh. you, let, you let that home life show. It always makes me laugh, and I like I am a mom. I answer to mom. That that's fine. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm the mom figure to mm -hmm. some of this. You know, some kids don't have a mom at home, or they're living with grandparents or aunt yeah, and uncle, single dad situations. So, like, if if you need me to be the mom figure right now for this year, I see them every day or five days a week. Yeah. For probably more hours than their home. Some more than their actual moms, some, yeah. the ones that have them. <laughs> or working moms, you know, they, they spend a lot of time with their teacher. And 
my kids don't get to eat lunch or breakfast in the cafeteria because of COVID. So they really are with me all day long. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I forget about that sometimes. No, so I'm okay. I'm okay with that role. There's a lot of them over the years that I want to take home with me. We just don't have space. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, I remember we used to talk about that. Like it, at some point when the kids are all grown up, we'll probably end up bringing in more. Yeah. Well, there have been one or two where we were kind of in agreement. Like, yeah, if that kid needs a place to stay, we'll make room. Yeah, when a really good kid has a really rough go, uh-huh. it's hard not to think that way. Did were you a, were you a kind of kid who grew up always knowing you were going to be a mom? Yeah, I had a roommate in college that gave me a gift every year on Mother's Day. I mommed her real good. What? No, I probably was just. I don't want to say I was more responsible because that wasn't necessarily always true. But um, yeah, I think I was concerned about people's well-being maybe more than I needed to be. You're not interviewing the Nirvana drummer or wait bassist. Here, it's not high stakes. He didn't have his bass. He had an accordion. Oh, that kind of lightens the mood. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was super cool. I wish I... <laughs> How cool would it be if I just reach out to him and was like, hey, remember me? Let's follow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that for? Who were you working for? I was working for the Wakayakum Eagle, which is a newspaper in Kathlamet. I was working at the school there doing my student teaching and... That's right. My life had kind of fallen apart. And I was trying to just have money. (laughs) And I took a job at the Eagle. And one of my first assignments was to interview Chris Novoselic from Nirvana um, because the Gibson guitar had just come out with a bass. uh, I think an anniversary something bass. Anyway, uh, dedicated to him. So I met him at the Grange out in uh, Gray's River. Gray's River. Uh Uh-huh. And he was like um, the, I think it's like the Grand Poobah or something of the Grange. Poobah. Poobah. And he brought the meeting to order um, and then played Ruby Tuesday on the accordion. So I stayed for the whole meeting. And then I ate a potluck meal with him and did the interview. That's a great story. It was super cool. I bet that was fun. Were you nervous? Um, yeah. I bet. I get nervous interviewing like my buddies from high school. I had control though, and nothing was being recorded. So there was no camera. There was no um, even recorder. I just sat there with a pencil and paper, and I felt really comfortable that way. I can talk to people. It's the permanence of this thing. Yeah. It's that I'll look back later at what you've recorded and feel self-conscious about the way my face looked or I'm going to listen to this. And That's why it's so great to be the one in control. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't feel that as much. I, I still do somehow because I know that I, I'm actually putting, I'm putting the product before my feelings on a lot of things. Yeah where I, I make what I think is going to be good, which is a lot of times what I think is going to be funny or interesting. And, you know, by accident, I've fallen into some things that are kind of real. So I can't deny the audience that if if I actually think it's good, even if I don't actually want <laughs> to share that part, it's like, well, shit, man, shouldn't have decided to have a podcast then. Um, so I share it. And if I'm, I'm usually glad I did. That's going to happen on the other side, though, where you think something is hysterical, and people are like, why did he put that in I'm there? I'm sure it already has. <laughs> um, but that's what creative expression is all about. There's not a one size fits all. It just doesn't work like that. It wouldn't be good if it was like that. 
No, it would be boring. If we thought exactly the same, then there would be no questions to ask. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, actually, we, we read each other's thoughts a lot, but we think very differently. We do not always agree, though. Yeah. I was thinking about this in terms of this interview because I've put you through plenty of things that were uncomfortable to you, and you did them because you love me. Well, not that, not as many as you think. I complain a lot more than I should, <laughs> I guess. So, like, I, I can, I can be interviewed here. Yeah, make it work. This, I mean, really, you should blame Ross Carey. <laughs> Canceled, and then also maybe a little bit on Jeff Hilton because he was going to fill in, and then he bailed also. Both of them had to work. Those son of a bitches. If they would have invested early in crypto, they wouldn't have to go to their stupid jobs. And they could be on this podcast with us right now, but then you wouldn't be here. So fuck them. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, though, um, I can't comment. I mix up the brothers in my head. That just like I used to feel about the Nesbit boys. <laughs> well, you never I don't know. know which is which. Maybe you'll be married to Ronnie someday. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a weird twist. He's my brother-in-law's first cousin. Oh yeah, yeah. Small town shit. <laughs> Better not, Ronnie. Um, I think we're solid. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, so you want to get into some mom stuff? Yep. That's what I'm here for. <clears throat> I love moms. I like all different ki- types of moms. I like helicopter moms, rich moms, <laughs> um, tiger moms, Asian yeah. moms, um, MILFs, moms I'd like to financially invest with <laughs> in crypto, like yourself. And, you know, so many other kinds. There, what kind of mom would you say you are? I try really hard not to be a helicopter mom, um, but I'm very involved. What but would, you're not a soccer mom. I feel like I'm kind of a soccer mom, except my kids don't play soccer, but they both play a lot of sports. I'm definitely a baseball mom right now. Um, I, I feel like the ideal or the stereotype of the soccer mom really isn't so much to do with soccer but you know no. i pack yeah. the cooler and the chair and you got the capri suns get to the field early well, we don't drink that and, garbage but you know but the water bottles and the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and the granola bars we we got them all and I, we're there we don't miss anything i have missed more because of this podcast <laughs> recently but yeah in general you're right we go to I don't miss anything, and that's something I've really struggled with because I think it really is okay to miss something sometimes, and I have a lot of guilt about that. So in that way, I feel a little bit helicoptery, but I'm definitely you're You're not there to you're not there to control the situation. No, which is like what I picture with helicopter. When I say helicopter mom, I picture affluent, probably white, um, upper middle class, very involved, and with some power. Like maybe she donates to the school so she can get in there with the principal. You know what I mean? Okay. I sort of call, I have this image more of like a lawnmower mom. So I see parents who really want to clear the way for their children so that their children feel no pain and have no struggle. And sometimes that means not holding their children accountable. Uh And I am none of those things. Um, But all of those things stress me out. Yeah. You're like a... What's a good way? You're like the the grounding rod for their emotions. Like you absorb them all. Oh, it's a heavy, heavy job. Yeah, you do it even when they when they're not asking. When you they to. don't want me to, and I wish I could let go of that. But it's codependence, um, I guess. If 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 we want to try to define it, but 
you know, I, I think. Maybe. It's kind of kid to kid because the role I play with one is different than They, ha- they need you in different ways. Two. Yeah. Um, but definitely if, you know, someone's feeling a lot of stress and anxiety, I feel stress and anxiety, um, a lot of emotion. I walked in Elsa's room the other day and she's crying because Dumbledore died in the sixth book of Harry Potter. We all cried when Dumbledore died. I crawled in bed with her and I'm holding her just while she cries and it made me feel so weepy. Um, But I know he dies. (laughs) Yeah, and he's fictional. (laughs) And I'm not really sad about it, but she was and, and so I was. Yeah. And so I do that. Oh gosh, her uh, cross country regional. Um, what was that? One? Okay, so Elsa runs cross country, or ran cross country before COVID hit, and she was an eight year old running nine ten. She runs. Um, she's a distance runner, and she um, placed in the top twenty at the association meet, which meant she got to go to regionals, and she peed our oh. <laughs> She PR'd. She ran it in 13.11. But when she came onto the track from the course, she was not kicking. And she was grabbing her side. She hurt. She had gone out too fast. She just didn't have any gas left to kick it in. And she finished and cried. And I stood there involved with her. But she had PR'd. I just felt it. It was so heavy. It was so heavy. But I was not sad. Was that? Are you talking about the race where all three of those girls were right in the dead heat? No. Oh, okay. Which one was that? That was Track Town Championships. Okay. That was one of the best races I've seen her compete in yeah. because it was so close. And all three of those girls are just right there. All three of them PR'd. And they all finished within a half a second of each other. And then and it she, was like a hundredth or something. Yeah, it was, it was so crazy close. close. Yeah. And Elsa had him, and she didn't lean. She kind of stopped, and she hit the finish line. No, um, that one she didn't have so much emotion. She she was just um, feeling the adrenaline. Same track, different mate. She she just ran out of steam, and she was she was bummed. Yeah, that is hard. But if you don't push up to your limits, you'll never know where they are. So it's probably those are great learning experiences. Yeah. Um, I got off track, but I think my point is not a helicopter mom or a lawnmower mom, but I'm I'm in there with them. What kind of which one of those moms annoy you the worst as uh, a teacher? The not my kid parent. I, it's the accountability factor. Oh yeah, like yeah. oh no, they would never. My kid wouldn't do that. There's no way. This is wrong, and and you have to be like, all right, well, here's the here's the video of them doing the thing at school. Our, I middle school, you know, there are cameras in the hallways. Um, so I'm pretty careful to not be that mom. I think I'm more like, what did they do? Yeah, even though we have some pretty easy kids, <laughs> they, don't, they don't get in trouble. Often people are like, nothing. No, they were great. But especially poor Elsa, I always tend to think she was a little bit more difficult than she really is for people. Yeah, because she's difficult to us. <laughs> but she's just complicated. She's yeah, she's really great. Pretty much everywhere we take her, I get really, yeah. I get rave reviews. I love, love her, you, Elf. <laughs> Did you get your mom anything? I bought her a dilly. Every time a, I a do dilly that, bar? <laughs> like from Dairy Queen. Should I just keep going when I get tongue tied? Redo, start just start the sentence over. Okay. I I do that all the time. I bought her a dilly. 
A what? A dildo? That's an inappropriate gift for a mother. Can you imagine? My mom would probably not. She would, she would just be like, all right, I'll give it a try. I'll let you know. <laughs> um, no, I bought her a Dylan's Warrior sweatshirt, and they're not oh. in, so I'm hoping they'll be in before Mother's Day, or I'm going to have to go get something different. Mm-hmm. I haven't got my mom anything yet, but I will. We'll do something else. I want the kids to get something for her, but I'll I won't spoil that. surprises. This comes out Saturday. I don't think either of them are going to hear it on Saturday, but okay. <laughs> Maybe. Somebody might call them, right? And just to ruin their Mother's just, Day? Yeah, just to be like, you know what you're getting, Carla? A candle. <laughs> and a hanging basket plant. She used to always get me one. I don't think the senior class is doing that fundraiser this year. Mm. We'll see. I am the mother of her grandchildren. That's true. Yeah. She might just go get you one at the uh, garden store. So you're really close with your mom, and you are also really close with her mom. Yes. And you have two daughters. Yes. What role does the relationship you have with across generations play in your formation of who you became as an adult and who you see yourself as? Wow. I grew up um, with a single mom, and I feel like I need to rephrase that. My parents split up when I was roughly 10. And my mom didn't take that long to remarry. My stepdad, who's the dad who raised me, has been in my life since I was about 12. That said, my dad was very absent for a long time before my parents split up. And my mom did a lot of the parenting on her own. Um, And so she just kind of filled both roles in a lot of ways. And... I respect the hell out of her for it. She's a great mom and great grandma. She's still momming hard. And she's wearing the grandma hat proudly. Um, if there's such thing as grandmaing hard, she's doing that too. I'd say so it's definitely a thing. She has a lot of love. I probably, you know, take after her in a lot of way. A lot of ways. I know I do. I'm so much like my mom. Um, yeah, you are a lot like her. Yeah, I see it. I hear it. And I hear Barbara, um, my mom's mom, Barbara Nick was her name. And um, when I was in elementary school, my grandma worked at the elementary school, the same one I work at, actually. Um, she was not a teacher. She was the director of the migrant program at the time. But she was in the school, and I used to go read with her every day. And I actually did not know desk. that. Yeah, so I went to and from school with my grandma Barbara when I was young, and then she retired. My grandpa was a lot older. She took care of him, um, but because she was not working and my mom worked full, full time and she was kind of doing the parenting thing solo, my grandparents picked up a lot of the slack, and I spent a ton of time with my grandma. In fact, she's who drove me to driver's ed every day when I was the summer before I turned 16, and we went to the public library a lot together. I I was still hanging out with my grandma all the time when we started getting together. Yeah, <clears throat> really until she passed away. Yeah. Yeah, you guys were very tight. And I remember it being a big deal when you took me to meet her. You were, you were it, was, it was known to me how important her opinion was uh, of me. <laughs> Um, I wasn't really nervous because I had met her before, but as a kid, 
and like not as somebody who was important to me or she wasn't meeting me as somebody who was important in her life. So it's just kind of like a, uh, some, some lady, but, um, that time was different and, and we hit it off right away. I felt like we, we clicked really easily. Yeah. It seems funny to think ultimately if my grandma had said he is horrible, which is something that would easily have come out of her mouth if she thought you were horrible. Um, I, I wouldn't have changed my mind, but I did care. I wanted it to go well. She was the matriarch. Yeah. And it might affect you more than you know. Sometimes people can get in your head and just those insidious thoughts. If it was anyone else, she wouldn't care. She's yeah. like, whatever. They don't know. They clearly don't know what they're talking about. But because it's her mom, it matters. You have to be extra careful to not offend because your opinion matters a lot That's as, really as a mom. That's really why having my mom as our main child care provider is sometimes tricky. Mm -hmm. um, because if I was paying a commercial daycare outfit and I was running 15 minutes late, um, I would think nothing of it as yeah. long as I was within my contracted time. But when it's my mom, I worry about inconveniencing her or her opinion of me or um, do I appear scattered or flaky or unreliable mm -hmm. it matters i it want does. it not to but it matters i just went through that jeff was going to come on sunday and then that didn't work out but i had asked my mom to watch amelia for both of those times so first i asked her if she could watch her on saturday and she had like made a plan to get jetty and they were going to go do stuff and then it just like i was like hey could you do it sunday instead because i'm gonna have this other th plans fell through blah 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 and she was like, okay, I guess. And then Sunday came around and Jeff canceled. And so I texted her in the morning. I was like, it's actually not going to work out. I'm just going to keep her. Uh, I got a lot going on. I don't have it in me to drive her up to you when I don't need to. And I think she was offended. And I, I can understand why. She, she had planned out like fun stuff to do. And she was probably looking forward to it. And she had probably involved Jetty. And then she was probably looking forward to it and all of that. But from my point of view, it's just like I need I, I understand all of that and I, I'm sympathetic, but really I just needed child care. Sometimes I can't have a three year old with me. And yeah. And then there's also this balance of I need you, but at some point the relationship is really more than child care. Exactly. And you have to balance that also. Yeah, that's so I like want to make it a priority. I love it when I get to my mom's and Amelia's napping or playing outside with the big kids. And then I can just sit for a moment, maybe have a cup of tea, catch up with my mom on the day. And it's like, oh, you, let's recharge here. Yeah, that is nice. A lot of the time I see her, I'm dropping or picking up and it's quick. Yeah, uh, we're so lucky that we have grandparent child care. I know. That's a huge blessing. So much so in this um, pandemic world. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine having our kids in a public daycare. Or with us. Like when the pandemic first hit, I was bringing Sawyer with me like to work. Yeah. And I took and Elsa. you were bringing the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was, yeah. Was Which weird. actually, I would take her now happily, but she wouldn't be getting an education. She would be a teacher's aide in kindergarten. Yeah. Which she would be fine with. Balance with. of all of that. Yeah. I'm glad we're not doing. I'm glad we have my mom too. Yeah, me too. I, I'm, I'm so glad. It seems like the pandemic is. Well, I don't know. 
seems like people are figuring out better how to manage it because there's still a lot of cases, but I don't notice nearly as many people freaking out. Well, I don't know. So for context with my mom, she retired early when we found out we were going to have Amelia and was going to stay home with her. And then this pandemic hit and then she was staying home with five grandchildren ages, what, two to 11, now three to 12. And there's five there during the day and she has a puppy. So she is juggling a bit. This hasn't been super easy. As far as the COVID thing, though, our governor is supposed to announce tonight rollback. So I don't oh. think we're out of it. Back rollback to a worse stage. I don't know what's happening in our county, but yeah, mm. go rolling back to more restrictions. That sucks. So I don't know Spoke if that will soon. impact schools, but I think it's unsafe right now to say we are out of the woods. Yeah, I don't mean we're out of the woods. I just mean it seems like, well, the vaccines is one thing. It's a major improvement. But. Yeah, and that will, I think, as far as a vaccinated adult, I feel really good. But I have three kids that are not vaccinated and really two middle school age kids. So they're vulnerable still. Mm -hmm. And the decisions are going to be coming soon for parents, whether they're going to choose to have their kids vaccinated. Have you heard anything on when that might be? Yeah, they're supposed to announce this week, um, one for 12 to 15 year olds. So we have a 12-year-old. That's a question. Will mm -hmm. we get him vaccinated now? Will we wait and see if there are side effects or, um, you know, what that means? Or he is planning to travel soon. Should we try to get him the vaccine oh, yeah. as soon as we can? Would that be better for him to be vaccinated before he goes to Alaska? Probably. We should probably ask his doctor. So I don't know. There are questions that I don't know the answers to. I'm it makes me nervous. Thought about this actually. I hadn't. I hadn't thought about that for him traveling. I've had in my head, okay, because I had heard. I don't actually remember if it was Pfizer or Moderna, so we'd have to look that up. But that one was in final stages of testing, twelve-year-olds and up. I think the test was twelve to fifteen-year-olds because they make it down to sixteen currently. Okay. And it was in the final stages, so expect a release date soon. And I heard this morning on the radio that that's coming this week. I don't know how soon it will be available to us, but I, yeah, I started thinking, okay, do we get it for Sawyer? Do, do we want to wait? What do we know? It seems scarier when it's my kid. Well, because he's still growing and changing. I didn't think twice about getting it for myself. I definitely thought twice. I've but. been teaching in person five days a week almost all year. I also am not in a position where I can take a ton of time without pay. And yeah. ultimately, if COVID starts running rampant in our school and I chose not to be vaccinated, I would have to take time without pay. So. Yeah, you just didn't really have an option. I got vaccinated. Me too. But I'm okay with it. Me too. I was happy to get it. I'm out in I'm out in the world a lot. Yeah. I'm I'm going to stores. I'm I'm going all over the place. I need to I need to be protected. I need to protect people I come in contact with. It was just something I had to do, and I figured, you know, if it kills me ten years down the line, at least they'll be able to find my body. <laughs> Jeff. Okay, I don't want to talk COVID. Let's let's go back to moms. 
Okay. <clears throat> Is it important to you how your kids see you? Yes. And who they see you as? Um, yeah, it really is. I, oh gosh, some of these questions are hard because we're generalizing three kids here. Yeah, And I sure. have very different relationships with all three kids. Well, the, the view of your, tw- uh, y- who you are to your 12-year-old is drastically different <laughs> than who you are to your three-year-old. Oh my gosh. And it's like so important in both cases. Mm-hmm. My, okay, my 12-year-old and I have a special relationship would we would yeah, we call a it bond, special a bond okay um, you guys are are simpatico you're yeah alike in very in a lot of ways and it makes it to where you're you easily connect so and also he loves to play with your hair my son and i and i think which is kind of weird gosh okay sawyer and i experienced some trauma um and some pretty big trauma in his early years regarding and, um, okay oh should we go here yeah all right um, so Sawyer was 18 months old and I was pregnant with Elsa, pretty new in a pregnancy. I had had a miscarriage and was in my first trimester with a new pregnancy when I got a phone call that um, Sawyer's dad, my husband at the time, was in the hospital. And it was, um, I was a stay-at-home mom taking care of Sawyer, who was 18 months old and newly pregnant with Elsa when um, Sawyer's dad got very sick and uh, wasn't likely to ever be completely fixed. And I know know we're being kind of vague and kind of tiptoeing around the subject, but it's just because he he's still part of this community and we don't it's not really our business to share uh, his personal details, but we want to be able to tell the story anyway. Right. Yeah, I feel like it's my right to tell my story. Yeah. But um, I don't want to say anything about anybody else's medical history or anything like that. So my story is really um, I was dealing with that while pregnant and Sawyer was little. And I just felt all at once like I needed to be a lot of things. So was he in the hospital or or at this point still with you? Um. Uh, he never came home. Okay. So he got picked up by the police. I'm saying way too much. I, I think that's probably okay. They took him to um, the hospital. Um, he ended up in the mental health ward, and he was involuntarily committed. So, um, yeah, it was it was me and Sawyer, <laughs> this great big house out in the country and i i i feel like really since then we've kind of been in it together and that sounds so shitty because i have you now and and these two other beautiful daughters but sometimes i still feel like it's (laughs) me and sawyer in it together it's a weird thing it's a bond um and i think he sometimes feels like that too oh i'm sure he does um, i'm sure he does yeah, branching out and, you know, when the the couple splits up, that's that the end of that family and the start of new iterations of it. You and Sawyer st- st- went off and started a new family. 
Sawyer is this old soul of a 12-year-old boy. He is. <laughs> and he is a protector. Mm-hmm. And he's loyal and he's protective. So from a really early age, he was trying to make sure I was okay and taking care of me. And that makes me really sad because I hate that he ever felt like he had to. Uh, but he did, and because he did that, I tried so hard to take care of him and make him feel safe, and now we just have this thing. Well, plus, he may not have always had to, but there was a time when he literally did have to because you broke your pelvis. Yeah, I think even before then, I mean, um, my life fell apart in a really big way. We were living in this big... I want to say like 4,800 square foot country home on a 130 acre farm. Beautiful. I was driving a big new suburban. Like we were just living a certain kind of lifestyle. Rural high life. Yeah. And then um, our house became very unsafe and it wasn't a good living situation. And I left and I rented this single wide mobile home in Surfside. It was somebody's mother-in-law house trailer that they had put on their property and the woman had died. So I didn't have to bring any furniture. It was um, all this dead woman's furniture. And gosh, I even used her bed. I wonder if she died in that bed. (laughs) But um, I had moved out and was staying with my parents and crab season was approaching and I knew I couldn't be comfortable in my parents' house and my dad was getting up really early to go crabbing and I didn't want to put them out anymore. Mm-hmm. And a coworker of mine who was a teacher told me about this place in Surfside and I got it and I moved in with the two kids. Um, and it was not my pri- proudest hour The single wide, though, was not old and falling down. Like they had, it was a newer Mm -hmm. single wide. The furniture wasn't gross or anything. It was all just kind of old lady stuff. I don't mind single wide. But everything was nice and clean. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a a single wide in. Was it made of aluminum or particle board? The siding? I think it was vinyl. Oh, well, I mean. That's kind of an in-between. I don't really know. The older mobile homes with like that were like made of aluminum. It, it didn't have a hitch. Okay. But okay. there was one right next to it that had a hitch. And I mm-hmm. remember being glad that I wasn't in the one with the hitch. I always liked the, our hitch on our house. <laughs> <laughs> it, I used it to climb up on the, on the tree right next to the house. My rent was $550 and my car payment was $850. Jeez. On the Suburban? On the Suburban. Yeah. Then you get rid of that though? Yeah. I traded it in right away. Downsized. It could because all of a sudden it was just like, okay. So I was a stay-at-home mom when my ex-husband got sick and could no longer work. So I didn't even have a job. We had no income. And this wasn't a situation where we were going to get unemployment benefits or or anything. It was. And you're also not getting along great at this point, right? No. For a while, he wasn't even home. He spent some time in the hospital. So I was on my own and I had to come up with a plan. And I had a bachelor's degree in English, which if you're a college student listening, is not a great degree to just go find a job with 
The headhunters aren't looking for people with English <laughs> Not degrees. looking for them. And I had always played with the idea of becoming a teacher. My aunt was a teacher. I spent a lot of time in her classroom growing up. I told you my grandma worked in the schools. And I applied to a master's program and scrambled because there are some prereq tests that you have to take to get into a master's program in education or teaching. and The GRE? No, the West E and B at mm. the time. They're different now. And I actually had to pay the fee for the late registration. There was one left on the year. And I, it just all happened with enough time that I had to pay extra money but was able to go test. And luckily I passed. And then I started grad school. Pregnant. So pregnant. Yeah. I actually had Elsa on December 29th of that year and had to take final on January 9th. Jeez. So it was a lot all at once. So I was dealing with their dad who was very sick and trying to get him to a safe place and pregnant with a toddler and doing grad school. So I was in my first year teaching job when I moved out and got that single wide <laughs> in Surfside. So I was teaching sixth grade at Ocean Park and I had a job. So mm -hmm. I, I could pay my rent, but I couldn't pay that suburban payment. First year teachers don't make a great living. Yeah, not that and much. Yeah, we just made it work. Wow. And so that was probably... 20... That was 2012. 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... So everything kind of went down. Elsa was born in 2010. So there were a couple years there of transition. I tried to stay and get everything to a safe working point. And it, at some point, it just... It wasn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. So... And it, it's been pretty... I mean, it's been back and forth as in the relationship with the kids and their dad and pretty up and down but the overall you know we're making it work i think they have a really good life they do for sure that part's not debatable yeah so what role he plays in that is not really important to me no nah. I, I think he does what he can the whole yeah your whole your origin tale of oh. of you as a individual adult uh, on your own. Yeah. So I did my student teaching at Wakayakum in Kathlamet, and I wanted to stay there. And the way I got to do my student teaching is my master's program was a two-year program, which is what I needed to do because I had a toddler and a newborn. So my mom and sister would watch the kids on Saturdays, and I would drive and spend a whole day in class and then do everything remote during the week. And... I wanted to stay in Kathlamet. It was close. And they just didn't have any teaching positions open. And I took a job at Ocean Beach. And it was a long commute to start. I started the school year driving from Grays River. But it was really the best how, thing how I that? could have done. Oh, gosh. I was meeting Mickey Frace and Chinook. And we would commute the rest of the way to break it up. But I think Grays River is a good 35 minutes from here. So... Oh, you were going to Ocean Park, I was going too. from Grays River to Ocean Park. It was over that's an hour. Be, that's got to be almost two hours. Yeah, and I was driving that Suburban. It was expensive. Yeah. 
Wow. But I just thought, okay, that's what I have to do to have a teaching job. And then my life got substantially worse at home. So I moved here. And I think getting away from there was the best thing that could have happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think I got the right job. Wow. If if Kath Lamott had had a job opening, I think my story might be very different. Yeah, you might have just decided to stay. Yeah. Just like tough it out. Which would have been awful. For me, if I yeah, for <laughs> sure. That would have been terrible. I'm it glad I'm glad that it didn't work out that way. Yeah, no, me too. This yeah. is way better. It's much better. Gosh, I was just telling a friend, even when it was good, I didn't know what it was missing because I didn't have this yet. Yeah, um, I, I think about that all the time. So that good doesn't even come close to our good. Mm-hmm. This is the only relationship I've ever really had that felt like it was uh, like another leg on my table instead of a weight set on top of it. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I... It's and a it's great not be- analogy. It's not because of anything that any of those women did wrong. It was because of who I was. I was trying to be the wrong person and trying to do the wrong things. My view of what a relationship was supposed to be was not right. It was, it was off. And it was not based on, on honesty. That's really the, the, the crux of it is that we established that. Remember we did that whole transparency, transparency. thing? Like, let's just not fuck around with each other. We're not kids. We, we've both been married before. Let's just be true and honest and transparent. And it worked. It, like, it established a, a precedent of honesty that we have maintained, I hope. Yeah. I really think <laughs> it, it had a huge influence <clears throat> influence on how we formed the foundation of our relationship. Also, the, the concert. I bought tickets to that concert. In, the concert was in June. We met in March. And we, I, I had heard the band Lumineers before. And they were okay. And I liked them. And you liked them. So I listened to them a lot. Just the, those first few weeks of our relationship. And I heard they were going on tour. The tickets were for June. So I'm like, oh, yeah. No brainer. We'll, de- we'll definitely be dating in June. So I bought them and told her about it a couple weeks later. And it became this like running joke. It's like, well, I guess we'll just, I don't know, just stay together till June at least. You know, this, we'll go to the concert and then we'll, you know, see what happens. We'll renegotiate but, this Yeah, we'll contract. renegotiate. Yeah. But it's, and it ended up going on from there. June 1st was the day. We were going to be it together was. at least until June 1st. Yeah. And then we would see. And that concert ended up being like, one of the best dates of my life. Oh, it was so, so great. great. The concert was good. It was just like super romantic and it was fun. We were just walking into the concert venue and my best friend from college was just standing in the doorway. That Melissa. was so weird. <laughs> there was Lindsay Morin. Pregnant. Yeah. And like, we went and pregnant, had drinks. Who's this with... pregnant chick? <laughs> she definitely knows you. Had drinks with them before the show. Mm-hmm. And then we met them the next day for breakfast. breakfast yeah. And we went to Powell's Books. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. It was fantastic. Yeah. We've had a lot of good memories like that. The trip we took to the Redwood Forest right after you had a baby. <laughs> We decided to rent an RV and, you know, get out of the house, see the country. I think this bring is a happier dog. memory for you than it is for me. Are you kidding me? I was driving that <laughs> fucking thing. I have no idea how I survived that trip without having a heart attack. Our baby was 
cranky, <laughs> to say the least. She was born March 9th. We did this at the very beginning of May. Yeah. We just had a five-day window without a baseball game and decided that was the time to go. Yeah. And, you know, I don't regret it, but I do regret bringing Daisy. That was a mistake. She hasn't voluntarily got into a vehicle with me since. (laughs) (laughs) She refuses. She used to love, absolutely love going for car rides. And I would, I would just have to like say, Daisy, and jingle the keys, and she's at the door. And I open the car door, and she's leaping in, or, or the back of the pickup, whatever. All it took was one little five-day cross-country road trip with a family in an RV. And <laughs> suddenly, she doesn't want to go for rides anymore. She, she came back with gray hair on her face that she did not have when we left. I feel bad about it, honestly. Like it, it turned her into an old dog. She spent the entire trip hyperventilating. I know. Her abs were looking so good. Oh, my gosh. But ugh, that slobber just dripping all over the place from her hyperventilating. Three kids in a 90-pound lab in a Cruise America RV. She kept climbing up on the table so she could see out the window. It was more like a vinyl tabletop. And we'd go around a corner, and she'd just go sliding off the table. Terrible. She is a huge dog. This is part of it. We didn't take a little, like, you know, lap dog that you could pick up and carry around with us. This is like a very stressed. 85 ish pounds. Uh, She's heavier than that now. I don't know what she's Yeah, she's put on a few pounds. She doesn't get out much these days. Her hips are hurting her. You can tell. She's walking up and down the stairs, lots of groans. She still wants to get in my car, though. Or she yeah. does again. There was a long time when I'd call her, too. Daisy, you want to come? She'd walk back in the house. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, she's not not into you it. You guys go. Yeah. I'll be here when you get back. But the trip overall was fun. Like, we went to Belknap Hot Springs. That was that. awesome. Giant pools of geothermal heated water. We went to the north end or the north entrance of Crater Lake, which was completely snowed over and closed. We had to drive Long all the in. way back around the lake to see it, but it we like saw two Crater hour Lake. Extra drive. Uh huh. Yeah, that was fun though. We Rabbits. got good pictures out there. Yes. Of like the, just the wall of snow, the road just ends. That was cool. Gosh, Sawyer and Elsa seemed so small then. They were. Yeah, our kids are tall now. Yeah, they're huge. They're 10 and 12, and they're both about 5 foot 1, and they're looking very much like twins. Yeah, they really do. I bet they get that a lot. (laughs) And I bet Sawyer hates it. Actually, I bet Elsa hates it, too. (laughs) I'm like, for a girl, I don't know if it feels like a compliment to hear all the time, you're so tall, because... Yeah. Yeah. And you look just like your brother. That's what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's things about looks are hard for everybody, but luckily, I don't think Elsa will have to face a lot of challenges regarding her looks. She in her knows life. how pretty Sawyer is. Yeah, yeah, he's they're, beautiful. They're both beautiful, tan, blue-eyed kids. They're they're they have nothing to worry about. What kind of challenges do you think your daughters will face as mothers themselves someday that you didn't have to face? Well, technology. Um, which is something that I'm facing, but whatever the technology will be then, I don't know what that looks like. My mom didn't have to deal with that. That's actually a better question. What kind of challenges do you think in 2021 mothers are facing that our previous generations never had to worry about? I think there are some big ones. Technology is huge. That 
dilemma do I get the kid a cell phone? What do I let him have on the cell phone? How do I what monitor level of that? Communication? Yep. And then what I am doing for Sawyer probably looks different for Elsa when we decide to get her one. For sure. And I want it to, and it should. But then that idea of like equality versus equity, there will be some decisions to make. And those aren't things that my mom had to think about. Yeah. I didn't take a cell phone anywhere with me. I think I was taking her cell phone with me maybe my last couple of years of high school. When there was like a family cell phone, yeah, that yeah, you pass around. I if I got my own, it was probably at the very end. Nobody was texting. Nope, it was really so I could have a phone to call her when the bus got back to the school, so she could pick me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Was still that way until I was probably in high school. Then, well, I mean, when the smartphone came out, it was game over. But that was my last year of high school. We or, were one of those um, kind of like fancy families because we had one of the very first cell phones. It was like in a bag mm-hmm. and like the size of a shoebox. It was like a leather case. with. A you phone bring in that the to school? I didn't take that oh. anywhere. But just that we like had that mm-hmm. was a big deal. That was my dad's boat phone. Uh-huh. And there was a reason that we had that. I actually caught it on fire. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I was, gosh, maybe 11 And we were, my dad was in Alaska and we were, I might be butchering this story. He was gone on a fishing trip and he was coming back and we were trying to make the house look nice for him. Well, there was a flare on the bookshelf. So just a a red stick, like look like a stick of dynamite. A flare. Yeah. But I had never seen a flare before and no one should keep them on a bookshelf. And I picked it up and thought, what's this? And it said pull and it had like a a ring on it and I pulled and thankfully I pulled away from myself and not toward myself but a flare shot out and hit the floor and skidded across the house oh so it was a flare gun it was a flare gun yeah but like a flare not, launcher a flare launcher so yeah. not like a pistol it wasn't shape, a pull the trigger pistol gun it was a tube okay. with a pole yeah so for a boat like an emergency flare for a boat yes on a bookshelf so you fired a rocket in your kitchen yes wow but like not the kitchen. It was that living room area where my dad now has his treadmill. Okay. Okay. And so it hit the floor and shot into my parents' bedroom and landed <laughs> oh, under no. the computer in that cell phone case. Oh, no. <laughs> Burned the phone. There is still, my parents have never replaced the carpet. My mom has a throw rug over where the carpet was cut out of the floor. Wow. Yeah. It, it caught the place on fire. Didn't you also flood your house around the same time period? I did. No, that was a different house. Um, that was when my mom and dad were still married and we were living oh, in so you're a pretty little kid. Yeah, so I was quite a bit younger then. And someone had hit a fire hydrant on our street and the water was out. And I had just gone to wash my hands upstairs and turned the faucet all the way on. No water came out and I just never turned it off. We left and went to a movie because we didn't have water. And when we came back, the house was flooded. So that I've... Thankfully, our kids haven't done anything like that. No, I I have come closer than them. When we were doing the the drywall in there, I was I had to move a pipe and I shut the the hot water off going from the hot water heater and I had not gone out to the street and turned the overall water off and I was just sawing away at this pipe and all of a sudden it broke loose and just went and just was just firing a steady stream of water. Um, right into the kitchen just like 
through the wall. How'd you stop it? I ran and found a water key, like the tool that, a special tool that you had to have to twist the water. And you just had one? Yeah, I have one. <laughs> and But I didn't know where it was. So I'm like frantically rummaging around in the woodshed, look through all my tools. And I mean, you've seen it in there. It's it's a mess. It's bad. You can't, it's, there's, it's too small of a room for as much stuff as I have in there. I've got like a ton of old spare lumber that I need to go through and pull nails out of and cardboard boxes that are waiting to be recycled and just like a lot of junk. And the water key was in there somewhere and I eventually did find it and ran out to the street and turned it off and went and mopped up all the water in the house. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, Ronnie Chambers thought it was hilarious. (laughs) But I think he actually was kind of pissed. And he just tried to laugh about it. But he was trying to work and he was he's like, just like, this, this asshole has no idea. <laughs> yeah. What and are we and doing? he's right. And he's right. Um, but that's okay. Um, I got to pee. Do you want to take a little quick break? Sure. <laughs> okay. And we're back. Hello. If you're just joining us, I'm here with Melissa. Nesbitt, wife of the acclaimed podcast host of Ramble by the River, Jeff Nesbitt. Yeah. Thank you for being here with us, Melissa. It's a privilege. I really appreciate you saying so. Before the break, we had been discussing identity and in particular, the identity as a parent and how your children's perception of who you are can really shape how you feel. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. So when you asked, I I think the short answer is just that it's very important. I care a lot about how my kids see me and what they think. And my oldest sets the bar really high. Oh, yeah. He doesn't want you to be one of those druggy moms. (laughs) I can't be one of those tattooed druggy moms. (laughs) That was one of my favorite Sawyer stories is when you breached like the topic of possibly getting a small tattoo. Yeah. Of his initials. Or I talked of, about my kids. At, the beginning letters of my kids' names are S-E-A. And we live on the river. I grew up on the river. The, the water, this coastal life is important to me. Anyway, I talked about getting waves on my wrist and doing something with C. And Sawyer was hysterical. Burst into tears. <laughs> and he could only explain it by saying he just didn't want her to be one of those tattoo druggy moms. <laughs> Tattoo druggy moms. And we couldn't figure out where he got that stereotype, but we should it was probably funny. also say that this wasn't recently. I I yeah, don't it was, know that you probably even... almost two months ago. <laughs> oh. uh, he's probably seven. I used to threaten to cut my hair. Yeah. He would cry. He'd still cry. <laughs> he loves your hair. And yeah, I'm surprised Amelia's not more into the hair. She's all about the boo boo. The boo boo, yeah. Yeah. That girl, the boo-boo is what Amelia calls breasts. Um, <laughs> she's, you know, ever since breastfeeding, she's loved to use my wife's breast as a sleeping comforting device. Yeah, it is her comfort item. She does it to everybody, actually. Gosh, so we weaned her. I nursed her for a year and then started weaning her almost right at exactly a year. I had gone back to work. I was teaching middle school. Pumping was very challenging. I was pumping in the girls' locker room on my prep period, and I didn't always get a a prep. 
Yeah, we were had a sub shortage and we were kind of teachers were covering out their teachers on prep time, just squeezing in time to pump and having enough milk was challenging to make it to a year. So I kind of got to a year and was like, okay, I'm done. And Amelia was okay with a baba, but she still needed the boo-boo. Just want to hold it. I just want to touch it. Yeah. And she still does. Yeah. Yeah. When you were out of town last weekend and it was just me and her uh, trying to take a nap, she was just kept going to stick her hand on my shirt. And I'm like, I'm wearing a t-shirt. So it's like tight up mm-hmm. here it's a crew neck and it ruins the shirt ruins it forever and uh she would not take no for an answer refusing to stop just going after it she just my wants her her hand nestled in there i do not let her touch my nipples so she if i go don't sleep, let her fool she you finds them and yeah. she just twists. i don't <laughs> let her touch me she'll say no nipples just boo boo <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know I just like kind of let her just put her chubby little hand yeah. like right in my cleavage. It's turned into uh, that. Yeah. But I don't have cleavage. And so she's going to try to track down that nip. I'm okay with the just the like the little cleavage pat. And yeah. I, I feel like it. she's really just putting her hand in my on my heart. There's mm-hmm. like a skin to skin thing. Well, that is really what it is. Yeah. I can tell myself that. it's not quite such a gross habit, but still annoying. It, would, it would be great if she stopped that. Yeah. She will. She will eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sawyer doesn't twirl your hair nearly as much as he used to. No, but he's still... He's almost 12. I mean, he's over 12. He gets the cuddles in when he can. Yeah. 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 So um, I think his expectations of me or how he sees me has kept me... I care what people think. Mm -hmm. um, And I care a lot what the people that I love think. And I wish I didn't care so much. I really admire people that don't. But... I do, and Sawyer has really high standards, and he has high standards for himself and for the people that are close to him. And so I'm pretty careful with what I do. We don't really drink in front of the kids, and not that I think that's a bad thing. No, we talk about it. Um, uh, we're like we're honest about what, what kind of drugs or alcohol use we do or don't do, and because I think that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're going to think of it as some kind of a novelty or for the forbidden fruit it's just not that exciting it's just this thing that has a potential to help in a couple ways has a potential to hurt in a couple ways and if you do a lot of it it's most likely going to hurt yeah (laughs) i've just always been aware that they're watching yeah me too. and they have seen more than i ever wanted my kids to see because of what has happened with their dad and his health and so i've just tried really hard to keep things stable mm-hmm. on my end. They know what to expect from me and I'm not throwing surprises at them all the time. I'm consistent and I try really hard to stay. So, yeah. I think that for me that the whole idea of being a role model has really <clears throat> helped to solidify who I want to be as an adult. Cuz you can't give yourself a whole bunch of liberties to be a jackass when there's people watching and trying to use you as a, a roadmap for how to be an adult. And I think a lot of parents just and understand that somehow implicitly. It's like a switch is flipped when your kid is born. I've heard it's when the kid is born for the guys. It might be when you get pregnant for the girls. I don't know. And it's probably different for everybody to some extent. But when I watched... Like, I was already a dad when Amelia was born. Yeah. And 
I had already been a dad for a few years at this point to Sawyer and Elsa, and but I didn't get to, to do the baby thing. So I didn't get to see them born. I didn't get to hold them as they like took their first few breaths and just like the first day of, the, of life on this planet. I didn't get that. And so going through that with Amelia and you, and really and Sawyer and Elsa, because right. they were right there too. Um, just that was just the amount of change that occurred in within me just in an instant. I And it was so like, I'm trying to find the words to describe it because it's 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 almost like I remembered who I was. Like I had forgotten and I was just like, oh yeah, this is who I am. I'm this, I'm the dad and I've, I'm just in it. That's like immediately it became easier to ignore the nagging little voice in my head that's telling me to be selfish and that's telling me, which I honestly, for a lot, lot of years of my life, thought I couldn't ignore. It, it was controlling me. And now, well, now it has a lot less, you know, self-destructive demands. Like it used to want me to do things like skip work to get high. And now it wants me to do things like throw away the disposable Tupperware that you like to save. <laughs> And that's my idea of rebellion. Oh, wow. You. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is meant to be thrown out. It have, says it right on the package. really toned down. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I'm still a bad boy. I'm still, I'm the, still the bad boy of the carpool lane. What I want to know is how much of my Tupperware have you thrown away? Some. Some. It's not Tupperware. Tupperware is a name brand, and they're, it's a good quality product, and you want to save that. You're throwing away all the glad? Yeah, I'm mm. getting rid of the Ziploc wear. We don't need to keep that. <laughs> or the, you know, the the ham containers from six months ago. I do ago. not keep those. You keep those. I don't even eat the ham. So, Sawyer's like, he's a ham guy. He likes that ham. Yeah. But I digress. Um, there is something that happens with the ego, and all of a sudden it feels... You are responsible for this tiny, little, helpless human, and it is not about you anymore. Yeah, because you're not only responsible for them in the moment, yeah. but also in the future. And you have to prepare for that right away. And I struggle still with the reverse side of that because I think to be a really good mom, you have to be healthy and you have to take care of yourself. And that's physical and mental and get enough sleep and exercise. And Amen, sister. Um, I have spent so much time living for my children and trying to make sure everything is right in their world that sometimes I really forget about myself. Yeah. And that's not good for them. No. I think that is a state of codependence. You're not going to offend me. I, uh, I know. I'm, 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 not, I'm not trying to analyze you, but I, I do think that, like, you're looking for your satisfaction and your sense of, like, I've got my bases covered. Yeah. By just, by prioritizing that your children's bases are all covered. And so by the end of the day, you've done your job and it's time to rest, but await you didn't do any of your stuff. Like you didn't get your workout or right. you didn't get to prepare a healthy meal. It's just, they are my greatest accomplishment. What's yeah. the best thing you've ever created? I created these humans and I think they're really wonderful. I think so too. And I spend my whole life around kids, my kids and other people's kids. And I think mine are pretty great. A lot of people have really great kids. I'm not saying mine are you know, way, way better than the rest, but they're they're top caliber kids and I'm really proud of that. And so I think I 
justify putting myself off because they're going to be out of the house. Sawyer will graduate in six more years and he'll be gone and I'm already crying about it. Yeah. So it's just like, I'll take care of myself then. But that's not a healthy way to think either. So Well, in December, we bought a Peloton. Yeah, you got me one. You actually ordered it in November, but um, and then we, it came in January. My point is that you got this piece of equipment right. and you use that as a kind of springboard to instill some healthy habits in your life and you've actually been really consistent. Like how much how many miles did you ride this month, last month? Um last month I rode two hundred and twenty two miles. Damn. But it was down from March. I did really well in March. I had gotten unhealthy during COVID. I was so concerned with making sure all my students' needs were met and I really have a problem accepting that sometimes people are going to be mad at me. Oh, that is hard. Um, I struggle with that too. We're Libras. And I don't like it. And I was a teacher in a pandemic. So it just didn't matter what decision I made. It wasn't going to suit someone. Yeah. Even if I was really trying to make decisions based on the best interests of my students. It's just... To one parent, you're doing too much. To somebody else, you're doing too little. Some people are just angry about the situation and wanted to blame teachers. And all of a sudden, people are mad that I'm getting paid and I'm working harder than You've ever I had ever to had to work in person. Yeah. So it was challenging. And I felt the stress of that and trying to do my job and be the teacher for two kids and take care of a very busy toddler. Yeah. Who's always around. Right. And I had no child care for her. So I was home with her, with two kids in school, trying to do my job from home. And I just, um, like, I lost myself somewhere in there. Yeah, you can't really there. just take do a kettlebell workout if you have a toddler rambling around. Right. And my memory is probably a little misconstrued. I don't feel like I gave up on exercise completely. We're an active family, but I didn't make my health a priority. You, you and I'm... Me too. I was working a lot, so I was gone, I mean, all summer, basically, yeah. and uh, at least during the daylight hours. And so, yeah, you're left with all the kids, all your own responsibilities, and yeah, because you did still get exercise, but it it wasn't the way you are now about like every day when you get out of bed, you get on the bike, and yeah, then it pays dividends, and, and you see the results starting small and they just increase and increase and like you look really good i started not on the bike though i started getting up and doing yoga every morning that's what i was going to say mm -hmm. so as you kind of put those healthy habits into practice did you notice that time kind of opens up in your day and suddenly it's it's easier to prioritize yes i i've noticed the same um, thing i'm learning to take it mm -hmm. so if I am upstairs and you are downstairs doing something with a million. I find myself alone. I am not just waiting on everybody during those moments. I'm taking care of things I need to take care of. So rather than going down and picking up the socks off Sawyer's floor, you get on the bike. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> you do that later. Yeah. And then I wonder, yeah. Wait till he falls asleep and you can grab him when you're in there to kiss him on the cheek. Oh, my gosh. I, I, yeah, it is not a perfect system. But I'm trying really hard to just squeeze in. Last night, I think you were down there playing with Millie and you decided to put her in the bath. Mm -hmm. And I just did a, like a little warm up on the bike and did an arms, a strength workout. Those are so and much harder than I thought they would be. 
it's a core at work They're in itself. They're fantastic. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing I just need to, okay, you have 10 minutes, then use it. Yep. Where before I either used it to like, okay, I have 10 minutes. I'm going to go make sure that Elsa's done her homework. Well, Elsa always does her homework. So that's probably not how I need to spend my time. She doesn't mm-hmm. want me in there. She feels like I'm nagging at her. I know she did her homework. I'll take care of me in these 10 minutes. And it is working right we, now. We can use our responsibilities as procrastination yes. tactics. It, I do it all the time. I can't take care of myself because I have three kids and there's ballet and there's after school steam and there's baseball. and, and I just like, did it for two months straight because I like I, I said on the podcast, I'm like, all right, I'm starting this new fitness thing. I'm going to start right. working out every day. And it lasted a couple days. And then I was like working on the kitchen remodel my job my actual job was starting to pick up in in intensity and my days were getting much longer and my workload was increasing and people are starting to call me more which and through the for the podcast and also for my real job and so all of that is just all all piled on and so for some reason i just got it in my head like i'm just going to put my physical health on hold Mm -hmm. i'm just going to live off of whatever i find Nothing yep. good, mostly just sugar and carbs, and then not work out, not sleep, and it'll only last a couple months. I'll get all these big projects done, knocked out, and then then I'll prioritize uh-huh. my health. And two months, three months have passed, and then suddenly I'm like, I'm not done with these projects yet. They're actually just growing, and now I'm starting to get skinny fat. So things are going to have to change. This Which strategy is not, not working. So I, I've been better at the last two weeks but really it's 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 hard you have to really make it a daily effort i let myself get to a point where i was in pain and then i really needed to to make some decisions oh the sciatica yeah well i was in pain and that made me cranky and and that impacts how i'm feeling toward the kids in the evenings i keep going back to this teacher thing but being a teacher requires so much physicality and patience Mm -hmm. and when you don't feel good and your body is hurting then there just gets to be this point in the night where you're done and you just don't have the energy for anybody else or anything else and I was really feeling that so I knew I needed to make some changes and I'm not sure I would have been so diligent if that wasn't the case Mm -hmm. yeah Um, well it's it's been impressive you once like once you decided to start doing it it's just like you're doing it and it's yeah I really like that. It's I feel it's like admirable. I have to though. Yeah. And and I think about that with the kids too. We're an active family. We're busy. We've always like run together, ridden bikes together, lots of hiking. And um, the kids know I'm slower than them now. And like mom can't keep up. Or like, are we doing a, a fast run with dad or a slow run with mom? And I want to be able to still keep up. The, I'm not gonna be able to keep up for much longer. <laughs> the last time I ran with Elsa, I could feel it. She's easier it's just easier for her to move she's so light on her feet her posture is so good when she's running she's a great athlete she is uh, it's fun to watch her amazing no so i just i want to be able to hang with them as long as i can and i was really feeling like i could and i was i was hurting Mm -hmm. how do you feel now i i feel really good and i'm when I wake up and my hip is really tight and I'm feeling stiff, I'm just making sure that I'm doing yoga or doing my stretches, making sure I'm moving, and it makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. Also through the Peloton app, you have started doing meditation. Yes, and I'm doing meditations with Amelia. 
which is so cool. Um, who is three. And she loves them. And she loves them. She also has started just randomly popping out yoga poses. <laughs> um, just yesterday we were in the living room and she just started doing a, a, a low lunge. It was really cute. Yeah. She gets really overtired and she doesn't know how to express that she just needs to go to sleep. And so she just fights it and she's super cranky. And if I lay down with her and ask her if she wants to do a meditation, she has one about kindness that she loves. Um, she doesn't say kindness. She'll the say leaf the leaf one, which <laughs> is a headspace meditation. Um, but we also just do meditation straight from the Peloton app, and we just listen to them. She likes to pick a girl, and she'll look at the pictures and pick one. I usually choose a calming meditation. And um, we only ever do 10-minute meditations, and she's always asleep before they're over. They work really good. Yeah. I, I have the same effect on me. My oldest is doing some meditations. He deals with, well, you know. Anxiety. Yeah, just stress and anxiety. And um, I don't know that he feels like they're working, but he's willing to give it a shot. And I think long term, they help. That's the important part about that. And that's also the concept that so many people miss is it is a cumulative thing. It's not something that you're looking for. It's not a line of cocaine. You're not going to feel it in five minutes and, and it's not going to solve the way you feel immediately. It, it's not going to change your state like that. But if you do it every day, it will change who you are as a person like over time. And lines of cooking will always be there if you need them. <laughs> well, that's really good to know. It's super reassuring. The, do you know what I mean? Just the the meditation thing. I think I distracted you. People have been making cocaine cocaine references to me for years. Like I, like you know, cocaine. I don't really know cocaine. I really Um, not. I meant the other part. um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I meant it's not. You don't meditation, right? It. The reason I chose that analogy is because cocaine is a fast acting dopamine agonist and norepinephrine. It's a catecholamine agonist. So it right away you take that bump and it, it. goes straight through your nasal passage, hits your brain, immediately changing your your psychological state. So you're like, woo! Yes, that's why they do that. <laughs> and I've seen the movies. Oh yeah, snort, woo, quick woo, and then you're <laughs> off to you know whatever. Then there's like a wipe of the nose. Yep. Yeah. And one of those noises, <laughs> and then probably topless ladies around. I'm usually. Yeah. It depends on time period, really. Um, I'm picturing like. Jamie Foxx. Um, oh, I thought you were picturing Righteous Gemstones. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> God, I loved that one. That was a great um, series. I hope they do another season. Yeah, where were we? Oh, yeah, the that analogy. Rush, yeah. Um, but it's quick. It's a tool like to just immediately change your state. It, it later will cascade down to feeling horrible and worse. So that's a, actually a bad analogy. Okay. But with meditation, you may sit down and do your 30 minutes or 20 minutes or five minutes, whatever it is, every day and get up and feel not that much different. Right. And you don't even have to know what you're doing. As I long as you're doing it, it eventually will pay off. don't know if I've ever done one for more than 15 minutes. I usually do a 10-minute meditation. And I don't usually feel that rush, like, oh, my gosh, I'm all better. But I do feel calm. You should try a 45-minute um, one that's like an active guided meditation. I've, I mean, some of them make you feel high. Like, I mean, it's like a line of cocaine. See, that is just really challenging for me to imagine having 45 minutes to do a meditation. Mm-hmm. Because if I have 45 minutes, I could do a 20-minute yoga and a 20-minute bike ride and a five-minute stretch. Or I, I would put you, it in the same category as a bike ride 
or yoga as far as like changing your state. But it doesn't feel that way. There's this anybody who's like been an athlete at any period in their lives. Like you want you want the sweat, you want the Do the heart work. rate, you want You get all of that. It's okay. it's harder than yoga to me. But the breath work has been really good for me. Mm-hmm. Um I hold my breath and don't always realize it and I hear myself at baseball games now practicing deep breathing and I'm kind of looking side to side to see if other moms are like, "Oh my gosh, she's such a weirdo." But um, I feel it like when I do breath work, when Sawyer's pitching, mm-hmm. um, he, <laughs> if I see him stressed at bat, I'm doing breath work. He um, should be doing it too, but yeah. not the same kind. He should, he needs to be doing like, he needs to compress his trunk so he has power in his legs, like pull, fill his body full of air. Um, but yeah, my point is I'm using the breath work a lot. I read the James Nestor book mm-hmm. too, Breath. Didn't and- we do holotropic breathing together? Um, I feel like we did did one of the more out there, harder breath work. We exercises. had done some breath work in the sauna. It's been a while since we it took was, a sauna Oh, maybe together. it was Wim Hof. It was a um, Wim Hof exercise. Oh, yeah, it was. It was where you do heavy inhale, heavy exhale, repeatedly as fast as you can for two minutes. Full exhale, hold. And then you hold for two minutes. And then you do it again. We did that in the sauna? I think so. Okay. And it's really, really hard. And it, it has really crazy effects. I highly recommend people try it, but not ever in a pool or driving or anything like that. And then that. you hear this like big thunk and your husband is passed out in the bathroom and hey, it's not the risk, first baby. time that happened. And it's like... Sometimes we fall down. <laughs> the important part is we got to get back up. What were you doing in there? Just I was breath doing work. breath work. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like to do it in front of a mirror so I can see if I'm breathing mm-hmm. in my diaphragm or my chest. You also like to like check your abs and that like I you yeah, know line I, in the I, pelvis. It's really not a vanity thing at all. It's a, it's a function <laughs> thing. I if if it weren't for the fact that I get the judging eyes of anyone who sees, I would stand in front of the mirror and investigate my body every day for at least thirty <laughs> minutes. I enjoy it, yes, um, just because I'm I'm like where am I tight. Where am I loose? Where, like, do I have any injuries? I'm checking out the vehicle. I'm doing the rundown. You are just kinder to yourself, or maybe it's a male-female thing. I can't do that. Then I just see all the imperfections, and um, it it makes me feel icky. I don't want to look at myself that closely. It's not me, though. It's just... It's your mate suit? Yeah. Yeah. It's just something that I was gifted. I feel more connected to my body than that. It is who I am. Like... Mm -hmm. Um, go, this is um, this body created those three humans. Like I, that that's me. I think um, that's incredible. Uh, I I think it's the so. Most I don't want to like stand there and look at the soft places and the. Uh, See what what you're doing to it is is identifying with it, and making it you, and then all of a sudden those are value statements. But if it's not you, if it's your it's, if it's just your vehicle, then those are not value statements. They're just observations, and they're they're all pretty changeable and but then if you do that then you're almost obligated to do things to improve if you don't want right and what if the only um form of improvement is surgical i'm not going to do that so let's not i don't know well you mean aesthetics yeah oh yeah no i i there are just things that won't go back to what they look like before that's true. Because That's of true. time and years and babies. That's something to navigate, for sure. Right? Yeah. 
So if I'm going to stand there and look at how my cleavage doesn't look the same as it did when I was 22 and like dwell on that, that's just, that's not good for me because the only way to fix that is to go get a lift of some kind. And I'm, I'm not going to spend my money that way because yeah. I'm, I'm in the process of getting a kitchen. I, I totally agree. <laughs> it's not, not a good way to spend the money. I, I don't know why it's different between men and women. I know it is, but I, at some point, started realizing that as a man, that my value is not so much, not pinned to my physical prowess. It's definitely benefited by having those things. Like if I'm a bigger, stronger guy, it'll be easier for me to get what I want out of life because people tend to be nicer to them. If I'm good looking, it'll be easier. Like there are definitely, everything's another feather in your cap, so to speak. Yeah. But I, I realize that I have a lot of other things I could offer. I could be the funny guy. I could be the smart guy. I could be the guy who's really good at thinking through problems. Uh, and those are really the three things I try to be. But um, I also, I do like being the fit guy. But there's been periods of time in my life where I was just not at all that. And I'm okay with that too. So when I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I notice like, yeah, I really wish that my left pec was the same size as my right. And I wish that my shoulders, I could, you know, move them the same. But I like my left one's like frozen weird um, from rowing probably. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just little things, just things. I don't mind them anymore. I just think of them as like, same as when I see the scratches on my truck. I'm just like, oh yeah, that's from where I dropped that log when I was unloading the firewood. And that's from where I scraped up against the brush when I was going down that trail I shouldn't have been on. That's life. And that's life. I feel like a lot of women think that about their stretch marks. Mm -hmm. You know, well, like, that's where I got my babies. Um, that's not so much something I deal with, but definitely the restrictions I have for my hip. Mm. Um, like, okay, that, that I just am not that person anymore. Yeah, because that's um, different. That was a surgery, and that's something you just got to accept that it's different after that. It's hard, though. So um, we were talking about doing HUD to Coast Oregon. Yeah. And um, and you, you broke – what year did you break your pelvis? I – 2015. And that was yeah. a, a freak volleyball coaching accident. Yeah. I had actually just run HUD to Coast Oregon for the first time, and I was – feeling like I was in really good shape. Actually, I'd done Hood to Coast, and then I'd done a 10K like the weekend before, and um, my times were fairly good So maybe a little run down. Um, I, no, I was feeling strong and fit. I actually Your don't feel like I was um, feeling run down, but maybe I was. Um, maybe maybe that, depleted that would be a better word. That could be my ego a little bit. I was feeling good, good enough that I thought I was going to win a sprint out against a pretty quick eighth-grade girl, but... Think again. Um, yeah, I was coaching volleyball and we were doing sprints and the teams weren't even. So I jumped in and I was ducking under the net during a relay race and I just twisted wrong and fell in full sprint and it pushed my femur into my acetabulum, which is a bone in your pelvis that holds your femur. And it broke and I couldn't walk for a long time after that. And I was a single mom with two kids and it that was that was really tough so they pinned you back together right they pinned me back together screws i have two titanium screws in my hip and i had kind of learned to well not kind of i had to learn to walk again yeah i had to learn to walk again and then i had to learn to run again and what you had just done when i met you yeah i met you in 2016 in march six and months so, after you had 
broken your pelvis and yes. you were already running. I again. was still in physical therapy when we met and we were running together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not fast or anything, but you were moving. But, you know, I um, was fast enough still that I remember beating middle school boys around Black Lake who went on to be starting varsity athletes. Like You were fast league. enough already to, for me to, to completely underestimate the severity of your injury <laughs> I until I saw the x-rays. And I was like, holy shit, you broke in half. Yeah. Like, it, it, it really was a substantial trauma. It was a really bad injury. I it I was in the trauma unit. It it was bad and yeah, so I think that has helped me give myself some grace. But there are still moments where I really considered signing up and training for Hood to Coast and I had to be like you hurt every time you run. How many times have you done it? I just did Oregon once and then Washington once. Oh, that's enough for me. Yeah. I Once I've done a race once, I'm like, I never have to do that again. I mean, I've done several halves and I did that Lake of Death race, which was, I think, 14.8. So I've done some pretty big chunks of distance running, but never a marathon. And I, even though my body doesn't want to be a runner anymore, there's this like ego thing in my brain that's like, oh yeah, I could train and it's fun pick club. that back up. And it's a fun I hobby could do that with in. you guys again. And then I have to tell myself, no, that is bad for you. Just don't. But yeah, I'm trying to give myself grace and just be like, that doesn't have to be your thing. You can do something else. You can ride your stationary bike alone in the morning at 6 a.m. and call it good. Yeah. You get What color is your t-shirt for the 500 ride? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Won't I'm, you be you should, excited I hope it's blue. to see it? Yeah. The other day, I, I really didn't know it was your shirt. I'm sorry <laughs> about that. But I, I recently got new boxers that say Manscaped and they're black with big white print on them. And I thought I was grabbing those and I was thinking about other stuff. So this is really, it was a very loose thought process because it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Because genius over here confused his boxers with a t-shirt. With a shirt. And I put the shirt on, didn't think about it. And as I was driving to the game, I'm like, oh, it says Peloton on it, on the chest. And I was like, that's cool. Melissa got me a shirt. And then the second I walked up to to this uh, game, which is like the social event of Peninsula oh, life. It is for not moms. the social event, but um, <laughs> all yeah. of her friends were there. Yeah. <laughs> you become friends with the other parents on the team. These uh, baseball teams, you you just have a baseball family. They're your people. For and so now season. suddenly, all these people that we respect, yeah, think this asshole was riding a hundred bike rides on the Peloton. And Jeff has not got to a hundred rides. Even close. I earned that Century Club T-shirt that. He stole, I have never even worn it. It came in the mail. I was so excited to see it. Then it disappeared from my life. And you came walking up to the baseball game, just sporting your Century Ride t-shirt. And it fit well. Like the badass that you are. it was are. a poly blend. <laughs> what are you doing in my shirt? This shirt? <laughs> you said it loud enough for people to hear. Just in case they were wondering whose shirt it was. Yeah, well, because I could just hear them all being like, oh, Jeff Jeff got Sentry Ride? Mm-hmm. I thought his butt looked bigger. He's already done 100 rides? No. No. I think I got my nickel ride last week. <laughs> That's a coin. I'll give you a coin for it. But, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I, that has, still hasn't turned up in the laundry. I don't know what you've done with it. I'm yeah. never going to see that shirt again. What? I, it is in the laundry. <laughs> It should be in the laundry. Did it really not come through? No, I really haven't seen it. I don't know. Oh. I, I bet at you it's on top of your dresser somewhere. 
Maybe. I was probably... <laughs> I think to... you're going to keep it until you get your 100, and then we'll just be matchy-matchy. Well, maybe when I do that, I'll order your size, so then we'll both have one in our size. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that would work. I order large because race shirts tend to be small, and yeah. and I had to put on... I put on this race shirt for Jeff the other night that I got when I ran the Oregon half marathon. And I came out and said, "Um, what size do you think this shirt is? It was very tight. He guessed medium, but it was not a medium. It was definitely a tight shirt. I don't know why. They they mislabeled that thing. It was a women's extra large and it was skin tight on me. Children's maybe. Children's extra large. I'm a very like average size woman, I think. So I order a bigger size normally when I order a shirt like that because I don't want to risk it being super tight. So I got a large, and the large was large enough to fit Jeff, apparently. Perfectly. So he stole it. Well, I'll give it back as soon as I find it. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. So here's my question for you about moms. So you have a mom, too, right? And I um, imagine there's things that she did that you pictured would happen in your family or with your children. So what are those things? Or are there things like that? What do you mean? Okay, so my mom woke me up every morning of my childhood. In fact, if I stayed the night at her house tonight, she would wake me up in the morning by singing me a good morning song. What would she sing? She would sing the good morning song followed by Rise and Shine. How does it go? Um. Okay, well, if you have been in my kindergarten class, you know the song because I also start my day in kindergarten with the good morning song, but we don't do rise and shine. So it goes, good morning to you, good morning to you. We're all in our places with bright shining faces and this is the way to start a good day. And then I sing, Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. Do you have to skip the second half at school? I don't sing the second half. I've just never tried. They'll put you in jail. No one told me I couldn't, but I've never tried. I just thought it was a little bit too controversial. Yep, church and state. So my mom woke us up like that every day of my childhood, like even in college when I was home for summertime or breaks, like anytime she needed to wake us up, she sang that to us. And I sing that to my kids and I sing it to my kindergartners. And as much as the big kids are like, mom, I know that that it's it's some kind of a tradition. And I think that the girls might sing that to I bet they will. There are kids someday. Well, I don't know. I've heard Elsa sing it to Amelia. Yeah. The uh, And I've heard Amelia sing it to Penny. Yep. Which is her like little baby doll. Mm-hmm. She does. Well, let's see. Do I have anything like that? I always kind of knew that my family was a little different. There was a lot of stuff that we did or didn't do that other families were the opposite on. Uh, so, like, well, I mean, just... Pretty much everything. Uh, Christmas being a great example. Okay. The, the Santa Claus thing. I never had any question about whether or not Santa Claus was real to me as a kid. It was a bunch of ridiculousness. Now, as an adult, actually, it took me being a parent to understand why 
Santa Claus is magical. You were still in the beginning, like always making these little jokes that were over the kid's head about like the ridiculousness of what we were doing at Christmas time. I didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't know why we needed it. It Because there's there just to me, there was already enough there that it just seemed superfluous. The I mean, we have like the whole thing about bonding with your family, being together, loving each other. And then on top of that, I had the religious part of it too, which we in my household probably play that up more than most just because it, I mean, why not? We're going to do the church thing. We're going to do it up. And I think it was Jesus's birthday The why party. not is like where I'm coming from when it's like the magic. Mm-hmm. Like why not let them think it's like super magical? Exactly. And so, so when I was a kid, I just didn't, that just the concept didn't click with me because we didn't do it in my house and so i would see these other kids who believed this nonsense and i i would like i felt bad for them i was like you're being duped <laughs> and you have no idea you poor fools but now i see it's like most of the kids know they almost they almost all know after a certain age and they choose there are a couple years in there where every single one of those little bastards knows and they choose to go along with it because they are in on the magic okay it's a creative it's a creative group effort is that happening now fuck yeah he's 12 i'm not sure and I'm actually nervous to be having this conversation because there's a good chance he's going to listen to it and I don't want him to find out like this. He knows and he's in on the game and so is Elsa. She well, has probably been for much longer. Elsa, I know, knows. Um, <laughs> I'm not worried about Elsa. She, she's like helping me. I mean, Elsa plays along, but I know she knows. She's like doing the wink thing at me when she likes something that oh, Santa gave her. she's not good at it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but... It's a collaborative creation, the Christmas magic. Yeah. And and the, the kids' role in that kind of increases year by year until they're, you know, teenagers and they ruin everything. <laughs> but at least I did. But at that point, a lot of teenagers, no magic allowed. I'm really hoping that we're going to get more time on that because we have a little one. Mm-hmm. Like, and Sawyer will. I'm not sure which direction Elsa will go, but just keeping the magic for Amelia. Yeah. See, right they're, they're now. already doing that yeah no i see that the elf on the shelf this year the okay. elf on the shelf was handled multiple times and the kids were able to put it back and breeze past it and, and make some excuse that made it not kill the magic did you see how lucas reacted when amelia touched the elf at his house it was very or, upsetting. did you hear it was a major deal so sawyer and elsa know that we're moving that elf i don't elf. think they care okay the elf just needs to move because i don't know <laughs> this is where I picture Sawyer at his like lunch table in middle school. I mean, like, you guys, guess what the elf did last night? And I'm like, not sure, honestly, mm-hmm. if he thinks it just did that on its own because it's magical or that's you know, what's so great about it was Sawyer us. in that way is like he's a cynic. He he doesn't believe anything without proof or or at least like the evidence needs to point this direction. And this is one area where he's willing to just suspend his disbelief and and just get into it. Now I'm like, maybe this is like another way of him just like taking care of me. He's like, my mom needs me to In just get excited about this elf. So <laughs> kind of, but I, I think that he genuinely loves it. That's that's when he's at his best is in the Christmas, Christmas spirit. Christmas spirit. 
Yeah, I remember one year he had been having a tough time with anxiety and we had such a good Christmas that we were just really motivated to keep it going. And then we did this whole like Valentine's Day thing and we made the mailboxes oh, yeah. and like all decorated them and um, yeah, when we get festive in our house, it, it really brightens up everybody's mood. We're just like, you know what? If it, if Christmas makes everybody happy, let's just celebrate every month. Yeah. And we it, kept it, it going for a while. Yeah. We've been I mean, pretty much until we started tearing our house apart. <laughs> and now it's it's barely we get a meal together. <laughs> See, these are ways. My mom was wonderful, but I, she wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and she didn't need to. I still think she's wonderful, but it's where it's like, okay, I might be going too hard. My mom was very, very festive. Like she did it up with decorations and everything like that. And, and like she yeah. would write very thoughtful cards and do calligraphy on stuff and just like do a whole lot of really time consuming stuff and just to show like, wow, she put some effort into this. But the, yeah, I'm not that way. The whole like decorate everything and call everyone's friends and all that orchestrating a party is one of my least favorite things to do do you like doing that no i really don't i have been willing to do that because i am a people pleaser yeah but it stresses me out a lot yeah and that has been a nice part of this like new world is i don't have to do anything like that yeah. nobody's doing that um no i don't want to call all it of anyone's friends and try to coordinate anything. In fact, my class reunion is supposed to be this year and oh. I live here still. So I've had a couple of my friends who don't live here saying, what are we doing? What's going on? And I just keep saying, I'm not coordinating something. Who is a class Can president? Can we coordinate something? <laughs> talk to them. Yeah. And she really hasn't stayed connected with this area at all. And so I, I don't know. But will people be allowed to gather? What will that look like? I think it's just an okay time to be like, no, I don't think so. I would love to see everybody, but I don't want to make the arrangements. I don't want to yeah. call everybody. And nobody's going to want to do a Zoom reunion. A Zoom reunion. I did do, like you did with your friends, a Zoom call. I think there were six or seven of us that mm -hmm. got together for just a long Zoom They're call fun. during the pandemic. I really enjoyed it. I liked it too. Yeah. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice the day before you got pregnant with your first child, what would you say? Oh my gosh. Well. No explaining, you just gotta give it. Okay, advice, well, I immediately start thinking about who I had children with, and I think if I could go back in time and give myself advice, I would've. Well, don't do that, That process because it worked out in the end. And okay. <laughs> I like yeah. those kids. I guess I, I got them, and they're just the best. But um, You're just like, run! Yeah, advice to my I, – I, I think I would just tell myself to relax. I'm pretty tightly wound. What? <laughs> it's – you know, it's so much better, and, and it got – it had gotten so much better by the time that – I met you that I was really starting to picture myself or know myself as this like more spontaneous, like easygoing person. Date a guy with a van. Yeah. And you start dating a guy with a van. And I was going to say some a, other stuff, but I didn't want to and... <laughs> share those things. Um, and you're like, okay, maybe I'm not like so spontaneous, but yeah, just 
stressing about all the little things like are they okay? Are they in the right percentile for their age and height and weight and and do they have the right amount of screen time and their nutrition? And I I think just to relax, your kids are going to be who they are. I learned that. I was a single mom raising a little boy with who had no guns, none. There were no video games. There was no violence. He was just like my little boy and my single wide who was like eating a graham cracker into a shape of a gun and shooting his sister. You know, so that like <laughs> nature over nurture. He was just going to be who he's going to be. And the same with Elsa. I'm not like a girly girl. I like to be outside and get my hands dirty, and I always had guy friends. And Elsa is just like a little ballerina. She's, she's both, yeah, because she loves to get dirty too. But that's not going to stop her from being pretty. That's the like, thing. Like she, she's that's true. Pretty rough and tumble. Like she's a well rounded her hair always. But yeah. she also is has been in ballet for seven years, mm-hmm. and I'm not the world's greatest dance mom. She's always where she's supposed to be, but I don't know how to do a perfect bun. And sometimes they'll tell me she needs something for dance that I've never heard of, and I have to look it up. But because that that's how who she is and mm-hmm. how she is. She loves to be on the stage and right in the center, and she likes all eyes on her. And that was and she's mortifying good to me. Yeah. And she always has. She was like in first grade up there just being in plays and big lines and big personality. And I was never that. I didn't want anybody to look at me. The thing that's special about Elsa, though, is she she captures people's attention. People actually want to watch her when yeah. she gets on the stage. Like, she's captivating it, more, more so than a lot of kids. Like, if I was a kid, even if I wanted to get all the attention, which I did not, I don't think people would have cared. She's got a she's got a performance quality that's very entertaining. I think the job is not to shape them. It is to support them and their shaping of themselves. Yeah. Like helping with tools or helping with logistics or you know, making sure their basic needs are met. The and, gardener parent. But yeah. Yeah. That is who I want to be. Mm-hmm. That I think that's who I try to be. We have to make sure that we plant them in good soil and make sure they get their water and their sunlight. And But everything else, really, I mean. And I'm trying to cultivate this really rich environment. I don't want them to see and be around only people that look a certain way or of a certain demographic or socioeconomic yeah. status. I mean, our I want them to see best the world. friend is a 36-year-old black man. Yeah. It's, and it's wonderful. Yeah. He's got a – he's – Good friends with people from all walks of life through Papa, just like because he goes with him everywhere and like yeah. he's watching him wheeling and dealing and just being a commercial fisherman and making connections and there's a lot of diversity in there and just of character and experiences. Yeah, so I think that's the answer. I want to be a gardener. I want to be a cultivator, mom, and I think that's what my mom did for me. There was never a requirement that I had to get certain grades. I wasn't going to get punished if I came home with a C, but I didn't want to have a C. That was just a pressure that I put on myself to be an act a certain way. And there were times in my life where my mom was telling me I needed to loosen up. And and so, yeah, that's probably something I took away from her. And, and It is important implement. to be able to take your foot off the gas every once in a while and and kind of Pull it back and feel like you have some level of control over your world, especially if you're I want to enjoy this thing. Spiraling. I'm doing a much better job of that with Amelia, just enjoying all the stages and mm-hmm. all the things. And 
my life's not so stressful now. Yeah, you help a lot. I have a partner now. It is it is better with two. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And that's a whole different thing too. If you're a single mom and you're listening, that's a whole different world to live in, and that's a lot of responsibility. And I've really struggled with not being a single mom anymore, but thinking I am. Uh huh. Oh, I know. <laughs> but but not like consciously thinking that I am. I know I'm married and I have a partner and a spouse and there's a co-parent here, but I still try to be everything mm-hmm. like I did before. Well, it, I don't notice that crop up until you're in like a, a crisis. I mean, not a real crisis crisis, like you're not in danger, but when you're pushed to your breaking point emotionally uh, and then you'll you'll start to rehearse your your narrative about who you are and why this situation is unfair and what will come out is that you'll mention how you're a single mom like you are (laughs) not a single mom (laughs) um we've been married for a while now i've been with you longer than i ever was a single mom i know i remember the first i I said that to you and you got a look on your face like oh my god he's right yeah like i may like you might be able to let that part of your identity go. It, it was just a really important chapter. And um, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, and it's it, funny how some of your chapters are really long in the story of your life, even though chronologically are not long at all. And vice versa. Yes. And that was just a very long, hard chapter in my life that I go back to. And I try, I block out those times that I'm just like emotionally done and like losing my mind for a moment. But I feel it a lot when the big kids or even Amelia have something going on at the same time and I can't be in both places. Mm-hmm. I feel so much guilt. Even if you're going to go to one and I'm going to go to one and we're going to split up and both kids are going to have somebody, I feel pained that one of them won't have me. Yeah, yeah that's hard. I don't have to deal with that same level of guilt because I just our situations are different. Uh, but yeah, I totally understand that. And you have to be able to just accept some things are out of your control. But yeah, before we go, let's, I would like to talk a little bit about what makes the relationship between mothers and sons particularly special, because I have a special relationship with my mom and I know she also has a unique and different, but also equally important relationship with my brother. And it just seems like there's something about mama's boys. And we're we're a good bunch, you know. They're, they're mama's boys grow up to be good men, and I I think that's no coincidence. And you and Sawyer have a very close relationship. We touched on that earlier, but I I really think it's foundational to who he is as a person. And yeah, I just think it's a really special thing, and it it has really shaped who I've become as a man throughout our f- formation of our relationship. I would hear my mom's voice when I was getting ready to lose my temper, I would hear her say, speak softly to your wife. Don't yell whether you're mad or not. Speak softly. Or another time I can hear her tell me, when you walk into a room or when your wife walks into a room, always look up and notice her and let her know that she's important to you. And so I try to do these things. And Thank like, you, Tori. It's, it's important. It's so important, the relationship between a mother and son it, yeah it teaches how it teaches a man how to be good to women which is really teaching a man how to be good and what it, where do you uh 
I mean, what do you do? You have anything to say on yours? Ruth yeah, Sawyer? I think it's hard for me to speak to as f- female. I mean, because I grew up with a sister, and it was a lot of times just my sister and me and my mom, and I loved that. We were girl, the girls, you know, and I learned a lot about life through those relationships. And so when I got pregnant, I only pictured having a daughter and I was only choosing girls' names. And so of course, because the universe speaks to you in different ways, I found out I was having a boy. And everybody that was pregnant at the same time as me was having girls. In fact, there were you know, two people here in Chinook who had babies on the same day, both girls, and I was the only one having a boy. And I just was like, oh, what am I going to do with this boy? And oh, my gosh, I just I loved him more than anything I'd ever loved in the whole world. So I like still tell him, oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know. I'm, it, I don't know if it's a first child thing. Just like that's how much you love all every woman loves her baby when it's their first one. And mine just happened to be this little boy. Do you still see Um, his little baby face when you look at him? I still see his little baby face. And he still cuddles me like he did when he was that little. And now he's like over five feet tall and his feet are bigger than mine. And you start to smell bad. (laughs) Oh, I can't even smell it. He just is like my my perfect baby. I don't know if it's a... it's just a mother son thing or just like your your kid it's special. thing but it's special i don't yeah, I, it's it feels something special. about the cross between cuz there's always that extra bond you have with people of your same sex or gender and like just because that's the sameness that there's something right. to that uh, that kind of connection through oh you're like me and so immediately when it's a mother and son relationship you don't have that so there's some kind of meeting in the middle that you have to do even though it's very minimal because like when it starts he's basically a part of you and maybe it starts there but i don't know but it just seems like it's it's really important and i think that like guys that grow up without moms probably are are different i i think it's probably really important to have that relationship i have seen a fair share of boys without moms just as a teacher like because I'm very much a mom at school too like I'm not going to yell at you if you do something wrong as my student but I might be disappointed in you or Mm -hmm. so I I think I use that but yeah like just kind of crying out for that you know love me take care of me thing and yeah um, but and at the same time I'm going to protect you too because Sora's always been that for you like he wants the cuddles and he wants that comforting but at the same time, I think he sees that his role is like protector of, of you, especially during those early days when I wasn't even around yet. Yeah, like he, he does. He cares if I'm okay. He cares if I'm feeling all right. He cares how my day was. Like he asks. Yeah. No, it's... That's something our kids are great about. Elsa's the same way. She'll always ask how your day has been, and she's great at making conversation. And they just are different because if Elsa thinks I've had a bad day or I'm particularly stressed, she won't say a word and she'll go clean Amelia's room for me or fold a load of laundry or do the dishes or Sawyer will just kind of like stay close. He's a proximity kid and he kind of like will charge on me, which Elsa doesn't need that physical touch quite so much, but she does these acts of service. I think it just comes down to these, to love language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, hers is definitely acts of service. But I don't know where gender falls into that. There is a special bond for sure. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's it's something unique about it. I'm uh, so glad I didn't have all girls now. Mm-hmm. I love the dynamic of the brother-sister thing. Me too. It makes me wish I had had one. I love that Elsa has a big brother who's always, like, looking out for her and pushing her to do better and be better. And yeah. that Amelia has – he is such a protector to Amelia. And I just feel so safe when he's watching her. And I, I love that when they walk off and she's holding his hand. And it, it's sweet. So – yeah. It really is. They're they have we have a good mix of the of everything really. I we have a perfect life. <laughs> and on that note we should probably start to wrap it up. Okay. Do you have any closing thoughts on this lovely Mother's Day weekend? I will say this. This like a million years ago in my last life, I had read something that said I'm paraphrasing, but the best gift a man can give his children is to love their mother. And that fracture was really hard in my first family. <laughs> and and you are so good at that. And I, I think that is like the best gift you have given our children is just loving me unconditionally. And I feel your unconditional love, but I know the kids do too. And I, I think that's why right away Sawyer was be able, able to be, you're okay. It wasn't right um, away. I mean, it was it was, it was a gradual. Close, it was gradual though. though. It wasn't like a di- something that happened over a day. Like even I would even say up through us getting married, um, it was all a big process because I I was aware that Sawyer was the man of the house. When he asked you if you had a crush on me, mm-hmm. and we were standing there at the track, and I just thought, oh no, this is so embarrassing. Do you have a crush on my mom? Day one, first hour I've met him. Yeah, and so. No, I was not um, quick to expose my kids to uh, men, male suitors. And uh, Jeff and I were coaching track together, though, and my kids were going to Boys and Girls Club right there at the track. So they would come over and be there at the end of track practice. And we were not an official couple, but we were flirting a little bit. Hanging out. Sawyer saw it right away. We had, yeah, we had been on one date. Yeah. Yeah. I was considerate of that from the beginning of of like wanting to honor the fact that he had been the the stand-in man of the house for a while now and he did a good job and he he nursed you back to health after the pelvis <laughs> and yeah it was just like it was clear that, that that was his role but he he didn't no no 7-year-old wants to be that forever the the 7-year-old muscle yeah <laughs> so I, I like involved him in decisions like asking you to marry me. I, I showed him the ring very first. He's the only person I told and I asked his for his blessing and he gave it to me very quickly. He was very happy and excited and it was it was really cool. That that was a special and he had to keep it a secret for a month or six weeks before. And he never leaked. Nope. Nope. Never said a word. It was really it was awesome. And it was different because Elsa called you dad almost right away. Before um, we were really even dating. Too soon for either of us to feel comfortable. She just so deeply needed the average American family. She was aware of it, but she also was self-aware enough to know it was kind of a joke. So she called me daddy like as a joke. 
as, right. at like, five years old. Right, like she would old. laugh. Yeah. But she like, wasn't even five, was she? She was in preschool. Yeah, she was five. She okay. was five. Yeah, so she would do it like in public and then watch everybody get uncomfortable <laughs> and just <laughs> laugh and laugh. And it wasn't long before I was her daddy. And so, I, and I knew I was going to be. So I was just like, yeah, I was, okay. You know, I don't even remember what I would say, but I do remember I didn't like, I didn't want to make her feel stupid or give her some kind of an aversion to using that word to describe me later, you know? So I, I, I wanted because I wanted to save it. I did want to be daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just think you, you loved me so perfectly that it made us a family. And thank you. The pleasure is all mine. But yeah. Yeah. Really, thank you for, for saying that. That's nice. But it's. It, the pleasure is truly all mine. It's, I said it like past tense, though. You still love me like that. I do. I do. The thing about it is that I didn't expect this relationship or this family to to happen. I, I really didn't. It wasn't – it was my dream, but it wasn't my plan. And it just happened anyway. And I don't know if that was God or destiny or what, but it certainly feels like it was God to me. And so I – I'm really grateful and just couldn't be happier to be where I am in my life. And it's all because of you, indirectly and directly, like my relationship with you and then the relationships I have through my relationship with you, including the ones with my two oldest children. Actually, yeah. and Amelia, too. Couldn't have made her without you. Yeah, otherwise she's... I think that's where I was going with that. You loved me enough that you made us a family and and then i got to have amelia who'd have thought that was all gonna happen and this is like the the opportunity to be a mom in a place where i'm financially stable and i'm in a stable relationship and it's a different beginning and it's a lot more fun and i can relax a lot more yeah life it's, is it's so much, much better less stressful when you don't have to worry about survival needs or you know safety needs the lower maslow's pyramid lower needs on the pyramid um maslow's hierarchy of needs and like just to be clear we are not rocking it all the time no we really aren't we no. um have often six o'clock baseball games where dinner is a scramble we and... don't need to talk about all the bad stuff we uh, do. <laughs> okay i just like it's, it's not Day. it's not perfect yeah but it it's they good know. okay know. okay <laughs> We're we're real people. I don't want to like, like put off airs like no. oh my gosh life is so great. Yeah, you we're guys, not gonna nothing's bring... wrong. Everything like that's not real. But we're not going to bring our dirty laundry to to this episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's plenty of it. But yeah, there have been children in our house eating microwave macaroni and cheese cups oh, and yeah. um, air fryer food and uh, straight dirt. Uh, yeah. We don't feed it to them, but they get it. Yeah, they find it. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, but overall, I'd say. The net, the net effect is is positive. Is positive. We're, we're doing okay. No, and I, I think that's an important thing too that moms need just to be like, you know what? Like everybody's healthy. We're we're all here. We all made it because not everybody has that, and we've got to do justice to to the hardships in life just by appreciating what we've got. Yeah, well said. And in closing, I want to just say to all of the moms who are listening to this right now, you're doing a good job. I cannot stress this enough. Your kids are not going to appreciate it until much, much later. But don't give up. You're doing a good job. Keep your head up. Thank you. 
mothers are probably the most important members of society. Well, yeah, there's no probably involved there. They are the most important members of society because without you, we couldn't exist. So thank you. And we appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, mom. Love you. Thanks, mom. Love you. Bye, guys. I'm free. Can't nobody take me here and now. It's my time to run it out. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time to run.